Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecallendershow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. The Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete of this year's show. Conveniently enough, News Talk 1110 99.3 WBT. Uh, I want to welcome to the program Tyler Voigt. He is the. Uh, uh, I, actually, I need to ask you: is it is it Vote or Voigt, Tyler? It's Voigt. Voigt. Okay. So yep. Tyler Voigt. I, yeah, it's just I read it and then I just doubted myself. Um, you are the Deputy State Director of Americans for Prosperity of North Carolina. So uh, you were. Uh, I'm assuming uh, as interested as I was at yesterday's breaking news that the North Carolina House Speaker, uh, Tim Moore, and the Senate leader, Phil Berger, both Republicans, uh, that they came to an agreement to check one of the boxes on the uh, Democrats' wish lists to expand Medicaid in North Carolina. Any idea that was coming? Well, I think interested is uh, is one word. Maybe not the one I would use. But uh, we were pretty surprised yesterday morning. We knew, obviously, they'd been talking for a while. I think they've been talking for going on a year and a half uh, about this potentially happening. Um, but we were, I guess, disappointed that this is the conclusion that they've come to. We feel like Medicaid expansion is the wrong path for North Carolina. We see a lot of, uh, a lot of good in repealing Certificate of Need, so we're glad they're going down that road a little bit. We wish we would get a, few, a full repeal of Certificate of Need. Uh, but we see... We see the future in healthcare as more of a, a personal option than a public option than expanding already flawed government programs. So, describe what a personal option is. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just that it's the ability to make healthcare more personal. It's expanding the supply of healthcare. It's, it's policies like repealing certificate of need, which is a ridiculous barrier to people being able to open up new practices or expand their practices. It pretty much just keeps competition out of the marketplace in North Carolina, um, and then passing laws like the SAVE Act, which was introduced again this year, excuse me, this week. Uh, we were happy to stand up with a bipartisan group of legislators and, uh, and, and organizations and support the SAVE Act, which would allow uh, nurses to, full, to practice to their full authority without having to check a box every year um, and get the supervision that may or may not actually exist. And what again, what that does is just keeps people out of the marketplace, drives down competition, drives up prices. So we want to see healthcare become more personal. We want people to have significantly more options. We see that as like it's going to be like anything. It's going to drive down prices. It's going to drive up competition. We're going to get a better product from it, and people are just going to have more options available to them. All right, so we've got three components here. It's, yes, it's Medicaid expansion, but let's set that one aside uh, because the other two are part of, well, I guess the SAVE Act is not part of the uh, of this negotiation, right? That's It's a separate-run bill. But the Certificate of Need, quote, reforms, uh, that is on the table as part of this package. And as I understood it, the Senate and Phil Berger uh, are more amenable to uh, to changing the certificate of need law, which basically it, it like requires uh, government approval before somebody can open a clinic or something in a geographic area. It's and then of course the the ones that are all the, the the practices that are already there fight against any competition. Uh, but it seems like the House side they are 
they're more in opposition to repealing or tweaking, reforming, whatever, certificate of need. Is that your read on it? Yeah, that's kind of what we've seen the past couple of years, too. We've seen champions uh, on certificate of need and, and save, like Joyce Crowick over in the Senate, who have been very loud and very vocal about this. Uh, we've seen bills come forward. And then we saw, I mean, you can just you can look at the bills that were proposed that had Medicaid expansion. The House passed a clean Medicaid expansion bill that didn't include any of those reforms. So it, it's, it's pretty clear that a lot of that is coming from the Senate. We'd love to partner with the Senate to get those reforms moving forward, the ones that didn't get into the the agreement we'd like to see included in some sort of agreement being save act and then we'd like to see certificate of need go even further and and fully repeal it like multiple other states have done already so uh well what's the politics behind this how did this happen um because uh, like my assumption and i don't know this but my assumption is this is hospital money this is lobbying from the hospital industry I mean, um, every time I'm down there, I see a lot of hospital lobbyists. Um, but I wasn't in the room while the deals were being made there, so I'm not I'm not one to speak to how exactly how it happened. But I would say when the federal government, when when you have the Biden administration and Cooper putting just an immense amount of pressure on them and dangling billions of dollars, I can imagine that it gets kind of hard to say no after all that time, um, seeing as that's a lot of money. So I understand it. it it's been hard for them to say no. It's been hard. The, the hospitals have been pushing very, very strongly for this and against some of the free market reforms like con repeal and save. So I, I, I do see, see a lot of pressure that's come down on them. Right. So it, like, yeah. So is this the, the minor quote reforms in certificate of need that's going to exempt like uh, what, like MRIs in, in certain areas? Wait, hey, we'll be able to have some more MRIs. Like this is the absurdity of it, like that the government is supposed to dictate the number of MRIs that are available for people to go to and, and use. Um, and so the hospitals, they're against certificate of need repeal. They like it because it protects their uh, their businesses. Um, and so they lobby against any kind of changes to that. But they wanted the Medicaid expansion. So they're applying both uh, the pressure on both houses and, and the members for both of those policies. And so this is sort of a way to get the Medicaid expansion and a couple of reforms, so like the hospitals had to obviously agree with that, I guess. Uh, they're not going to be happy about it, but the statements I've seen, they're like, well, you know, it's a, you know, it's a compromise, whatever, because they obviously value the Medicaid expansion more. And uh, as I understand it as well, Medicaid expansion does not lead to fewer emergency room visits. In fact, the opposite. So I guess it's pretty obvious why they are on board with Medicaid expansion from a business model. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen Medicaid expansion states that has expanded. Healthcare doesn't improve for these states. It costs way more money than they predict. I mean, I don't know if there's anybody who thinks that this isn't going to cost more money than, than they're predicting right now. Um, but we've seen, like you said, we've seen the hospitals call this a good compromise. Uh, I don't see AFP's been in a really sticky situation with this. We've known that they're going to try to compromise with CON and with the SAVE Act. So we're out there lobbying and arguing for these for these kind of reforms, getting our activist base fired up for these reforms, while at the same time saying, but don't lump them with Medicaid expansion. You guys have the right idea. You want to expand the supply of health care. You want to pass these free market reforms that are part of the personal option. That's the right idea, but we don't need to expand this already broken program to do it. So uh, let's talk about the money component. They've been, you said they've been dang the feds have been dangling all of this money in front of uh, the states, and so uh, I guess this was, I. I it seems like this is the argument that they're going with in support of the, the, the expansion that, 
we're going to get all of this money from the federal government, and uh, I guess it's okay to contribute to fiscal recklessness at the federal level, um, but not the state level. I, I, I guess that's the message I'm getting from this. Yeah, that, that always kind of makes me laugh when we talk about federal dollars coming in. Those are still tax dollars. North Carolinians are still paying those dollars. Um, and, and even the other component of this is the hospitals picking up the remaining part. Nobody doesn't think that the hospitals are just going to pass that cost down to the consumer, too. Like, the hospitals aren't just going to eat that. They're going to include that in the price. And so North Carolinians are going to pay for this. They just won't have a line item on their taxes that say Medicaid expansion. is just going to come in some other form. Right. Right, yeah, because the, when they... I guess it was, what, last year when they first started talking about this, ex- oh, well, we're going to tax the hospitals to pay some of the cost of the Medicaid expansion that the state has to eat. And, yeah, that's just, it's the old adage, you know, businesses, corporations, they don't pay taxes. They don't, any tax you put on the businesses goes to the consumers because that, that's, that's how that works, right? I mean, yep. they, they generate the revenue off of what they sell or the service they provide, and so this won't be any different uh, at all. And, of course, we're... We're, I guess, fingers crossed, hoping that uh, for some reason Medicaid stays solvent when all of the other entitlement uh, services uh, won't, and we won't ever be asked to pay more than, what is it, the 10% uh, match to the federal government's 90% match, which I, I think that's a fool's errand. I think that we, we will see that, uh, that percentage shift. Yeah, absolutely, and I don't think there's anybody that thinks that we'd ever roll this back. If the percentages shift, we, we, it, taking away an entitlement is near impossible. Right. Oh yeah. That's. I mean, that, that's the thing. Once you get it, once you get it implemented, it never goes away. That's. Yep. The, yeah. That's the point. Uh, all right. And uh, real quick, do you want to mention anything about the Save Act that you guys uh, are pushing for? Yeah, we we would love to have seen. All right. Save are you prepared for a disaster? Proposal? Do you need some uh, advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's uh, real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old school traditional right store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim. He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time. American made because it's real military surplus. Camo shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear. Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. In a couple years and look at the mistake that they made. So we're going to keep pushing for the SAVE Act um, as hard as we possibly can. Yeah, well, even Berger acknowledges that the expansion of Medicaid is going to, he said, be somewhat problematic if we don't increase the supply of folks that can treat them. So, yeah, they they know that this is going to get... Uh, there's going to be a, uh, there's already a shortage, right? And so this is going to squeeze uh, squeeze the problem even more. Um, yep. Yeah. All right. Hey, I appreciate you uh, jumping on with me real quick about this. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk with you again, uh, Tyler Voigt. He is the uh, deputy state director of Americans for Prosperity of North Carolina. Tyler, appreciate it, man. Appreciate you, Pete. All right. Have a great weekend, sir. North Carolina's certificate of need law, which is awful. Uh, it regulates hospital expansions, new healthcare facilities medical equipment purchases, lots more. According to the story from uh, Don Vaughn and Luciana Perez-Uribe-Ganassi at the Charlotte Observer, well, it's McClatchy, um, in their write-up on this, uh, this deal that the North Carolina Republican legislative leaders announced yesterday, uh, the Certificate of Need law was a big reason Medicaid expansions did not pass in recent years because the Senate was trying to pass the Medicaid expansion bill with 
CON changes, CON being certificate of need, CON or con laws. The House has opposed this. The House has been in opposition to repealing certificate of need. The House's Medicaid expansion bill did not include any changes to CON, but the one that they introduced yesterday now does have it. Some. Not not a repeal of the whole thing, but just parts. Just a couple parts. Berger said the bill's new version will eliminate CON for behavioral health beds, for chemical dependency beds, and it will raise the replacement equipment threshold to $3 million and index that number to inflation. It'll increase the threshold for diagnostic centers to $3 million and index that to inflation. And oh my God, why are you so involved in this business? Why do you think government should be telling hospitals and clinics how many machines they're allowed to operate in a zip code? You don't get an MRI. Oh, you need a chemical dependency treatment center? You can't put it right there. Mm-mm. We don't think enough people are hooked on drugs in that area, so you shouldn't put that there. Because we know best. No, it's a, it's a protection racket. That's what the CON laws are. They're protection for the monopolies, for the healthcare industry, for the that, they have their own territories, right? The swallowing up of of smaller practices by larger hospital corporations and such, right? That's why we see all of this. For counties with a population of 125,000 or more, the bill would eliminate CON requirements for MRIs and for ambulatory surgical centers. So if you live in an area and you have 124,000 people in that area, sorry, government's going to keep telling you how many MRIs you can have in that area. But as soon as you get to 125,000 people, well, now you can have some competition, maybe drive down some of the prices for the MRIs. Sorry, no competition if you live in a small rural area, I guess. These provisions would become effective years down the road. So it's not even something you're going to see right away. I mean, the expansion's going to happen right away, but I guess you're going to have to wait for the CON burdens to be lifted. This is just awful. I'm sorry, guys. Like, I don't know any other way to interpret this. You you, you flipped on your opposition, and now what? I'm, we're going to see all the Republicans fall in line? I mean, I know the Democrats are going to vote for any kind of an expansion. They want the win. They are all about expanding government into your life in all manners. We know that they're going to vote yes. I guess I I expected better from the GOP. I don't know why. I don't know why. I know. One policy that will not be in the compromise bill is the SAVE Act, which you just heard Tyler Voigt talking about. That is a proposal pushed by a bipartisan group of state lawmakers that would grant high-level nurses more independence. The Senate has been trying to move on this. Berger said he supports it, and it's not going to be part of this effort. It's a standalone bill. It should pass. If, you know, in other words, it, it relieves the, the nurses, as I understand it, it relieves qualified nurses from having to operate under the direction or supervision of a doctor so they can do more stuff on their own, which, of course, they should be allowed to do more stuff on their own. Like, how much, how much stuff do the nurses do when you go to your physical, right? The nurses take your blood pressure. They do all of that stuff. They answer the questions and everything else. 
And then they have to, like, hand you off to the doctor who comes in, like, checks your nodules on your throat and whatever. Like, oh, okay, it looks good. Okay, uh, cough for me. Breathe, breathe. Okay, see you next year, right? Uh, come on. A nurse can't do that? I remain convinced, Berger said, I remain convinced that giving 600,000 people a card that says that their health care is going to be paid for is going to be somewhat problematic if we don't increase the supply of folks that can treat them. Yeah. Maybe he thinks, uh, maybe this is the play. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking this through right now. Maybe this is the play. You expand Medicaid in, 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 a, in a leverage move. In other words, you're, you're going to flood the marketplace with half a million more Medicaid uh, recipients, and so the shortages will be so acute, meaning there's not enough staff and services and places because you cap that because of the stupid CONs, right? So you, you create the shortage. You then flood the zone with even more recipients, and now you're like, okay, look, this is so out of hand. We got to pass the SAVE Act. Maybe this is like three-dimensional chess. <laughs> Maybe that's what this is about. We'll use it as, as a pressure point. Email from Greg uh, to Pete at the thepetecalendarshow.com. Uh, I was aghast last year at the Senate playing footsie with Medicaid expansion, and now this? I don't get it. You win. Winning more. Uh, you win. You win more than before. On track to own your... Uh, own your governor with several bills overriding his veto, leaving him neutered. You're in line to take even more legislative seats in the next session. Better ideas, and instead, you backtrack, you flip on an issue that is not popular when explained fully. Empower my friend Ray Cooper. You allow all the leftist groups to claim victory, and you harm your future chances. Yeah, How demoralized are Republicans going to be on this? The Republican voting public. Now, maybe they look at the... Uh, the polling, and they're like, no, no, Medicaid expansion is popular, and so we'll just do it. Get it off the table. Take it away as an issue. Maybe that's what they're looking at. i got to believe that the, the grassroots not going to be happy. But maybe they say, you know what? The grassroots are going to vote for us anyway. What are you going to do? Go vote for a Democrat? Or <laughs> a third party? <laughs> All right, are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old-school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim? He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time, American-made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear... Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. News Talk 1110, 99.3, WBT. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, the email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show. And on Twitter, at Pete Callender. And remember, get the podcast. Comes right to your smartphone or tablet every single day for free. And uh, you just need to click the subscribe. It's free, though. And it just automatically appears. It's so helpful. Um, let me see here. A couple of tweets. Uh, the, these are Pete tweets. This is from MAGA, American Pitbull. More than a decade ago, Rockland County Legislature in New York voted to have a separate line item on property tax bills listing Medicaid cost Per property. This should be done in all counties in North Carolina. Um, and then uh, this tweet from Horse With No Name. 
They always get this crap through. This is going to cost North Carolina a huge amount of money. Democrats never stop pushing their communist programs, and it is always low quality. Uh, and uh, that email from Gregory, actually, I, I did not read the entire thing. There's one more party says, this is so dumb. It must be that sweet, sweet hospital money. Better A better move would have been to create a bipartisan bicameral committee, hold hearings, bash Medicaid expansion, and reform the certificate of need thing and squash this issue. But no, I am so displeased. Stan, welcome to the program. Hello, Stan. How are you doing? Uh, Keith, you're talking about something that I have thought was a problem for a long time. I, I'm an advertising photographer, and about five, six years ago, I got hired to go do some advertising photography at a facility that a contract and an architect had just completed. And I went to this medical office building. It was nice medical office building, doctor's office. And the thing was air-conditioned, lights were on, computers were in, all the equipment was in, all it needed to be operational staff and the contracts who was there helping me told me that they didn't have their certificate of need yet that they can open up open that office building for six more weeks so it was like you can't the government said you can't open this until we say you can and five four three two one now you can right and so the, the fact that i can't decide okay i want to invest in a medical facility at that place i think i can make money the fact that they will tell me that i can't means that what they're doing is that they're actually controlling the uh, how medical services are disseminated to the pop disseminated to the populace. Correct. Right Correct. I have I have two aging parents who have in the past year tried to he needed three three different specialists. They they couldn't get an appointment with them for six months. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I asked for. I just recently went in for my physical, and I asked for uh, you know because I had to starve myself for the labs. You know you have to fast before you go in to get the blood labs uh, drawn, and so I, right. I asked for a morning appointment. And they couldn't give me one. And so I had to book it in the afternoon. And that's one of the days I took off the other day, uh, a couple of weeks back, because, um, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to work a full day, come on the air and be, you know, fasting and, you know, ripping people's heads off. I mean, any more than normal, um, you know, that, that call in or whatever. And so I just took the day off. And I, when I go in and get the labs drawn, they were like, yeah, you're, uh, I said, can I get a morning appointment? And the, uh, the nurse said, you have to book them a year in advance. And so I did. I had to, a year away, I had to sign up for my next physical because they don't have enough people to provide the service. And the CON laws cause that, in part. I mean, it's not the only reason why there's sh- uh, shortages. I suspect, you know, COVID had a large impact on it as well, the mandates and such. But, yeah, CON restricts access. It, it, it's, it's almost like they're now representing the interest of the people who provide this service over the expense of the customers they supposedly serve. Yeah. It does kind of seem like that, doesn't it? It's so weird. Right, thanks, Ted. I enjoy your show. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend, sir. Um, I do like this subhead in the uh, McClatchy article. Hospitals were key. <gasps> no. House Speaker Tim Moore said that what had gotten them to this point in negotiations was likely the Healthcare Access and Stabilization Program, or as I call it, the, the HASP. It would increase Medicaid reimbursement rates for hospitals. In a statement, DHHS wrote that expansion and the stabilization program, Medicaid expansion plus the stabilization program, would bring in $8 billion annually to North Carolina with no additional cost to the state. Oh, ah. Oh, so it's free. Oh, thank goodness. We finally found a free government program. 
I mean, aside from all of the other free government programs that cost us a lot of money. There's an additional $1.8 billion that can support behavioral health, public safety support, rural health care, and other needs. One of the strongest opponents of CON repeal, and therefore of the Senate's failed Medicaid bill last session, was the hospitals, the North Carolina Health Care Association. This year, the group was involved in pushing for the stabilization provision. Last year, the association made an offer for how certificate of need regulations could be changed without being repealed. Let's not get crazy. I mean, we still need we still need the protection. Oh, and by the way, don't even bother asking us how much stuff costs, as Dale Falwell found out, right, and got stabbed in the back by a lot of his fellow Republicans on that, when he simply said, hey, you know, we got all these state employees, and Blue Cross Blue Shield is charging, you know, random amounts of money in different uh, clinics and different hospitals, and, and they won't tell us what the prices are. Phil Berger in the Senate said this compromise bill was somewhere between what the hospitals had suggested and what was in the Senate bill last year. Um, 2.75, this is from Andrew Dunn over at Longleaf Politics, and he wrote this months ago. There's like 2.75 million North Carolinians who are currently enrolled in Medicaid. Right? Medicaid pays health care costs for many categories of low-income people. The... Uh, to qualify, you have to fall within income limits, which is somewhere between 100% and 200% of the federal poverty level. And there are, I've got numbers on that. I think it's like $17,000 for um, a single person. And, well, I'll get to it. But anyway, so the, but the, the category, so you have to be below the federal poverty level or 100% to 200% above it. So you, so... So it's not really the poverty level. It's a little bit more than the poverty level. But the qualifying individuals are a child, a parent or guardian of a child under age 18, pregnant, disabled, or the family member of a disabled person, blind, or elderly. There are no premiums. There are no deductibles. There is a $4 copay because, you know, got to pay something. It's a $4 copay for many services. If North Carolina expands, people could become eligible for coverage based only on income. So all of those those categories, those protected classes, if you will, right? Child, parent of a child under 18, pregnant, disabled, family member of a disabled person, blind or elderly, those all go away. I mean, those people still qualify, but but so does everybody else who's perfectly able to work, not old, not a child, not pregnant, right? Everyone with income under 138% of the federal poverty level now becomes eligible. According to Phil Berger, Senate President Pro Tem, who in an uh, uh, interview on Tim Boyum's podcast a couple months ago, uh, he said he was against Medicaid expansion for three reasons, philosophy, cost, and structure, okay? Philosophy, he said he was philosophically opposed to increasing government dependence and growing the size of a social welfare program. I don't know if he still has that philosophy or not. Number two, cost. Berger was concerned that the government would not hold up its end of the 90-10 bargain, that 90% federal uh, 
cost sharing, right? The feds are going to pay 90% and the state will pay 10%. And if you don't know if the feds are going to keep that rate static, the federal government, like I think originally it's supposed to be like two thirds. They don't pay the full freight on Medicaid. And what do you think happens, by the way, when they have to start cutting stuff? (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's never going to happen. It might. They may be forced to cut stuff. So he was worried about that being uh, that that 90-10 split being permanent. And the structure, he said that the system, Medicaid's system in North Carolina was fundamentally broken for costs. He says those two concerns, the, the latter two, have been relieved over the past decade. But I don't know if the philosophy one has changed. He did not. He didn't say whether his philosophy had changed. He said most people he ex- uh, he expected Medicaid expansion to help would be working people without many good options. You know what the other thing is? There are people on Obamacare right now on bronze and silver plans. They will now become eligible for Medicaid, so they will be now moving out of the private market. What could go wrong? I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, all right, let me get to some emails. Email to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. From Tim, Pete, CON Laws, the cabal of large healthcare companies and insurance companies along with state approval. It has another name, you know. It's called fascism. Who needs free market principles, right? John says, Pete, free money from the federal government always, always, always has strings attached. Indeed it does. Indeed it does. Uh, Russ says, uh, this is a Pete tweet, Republicans on Medicaid, uh, sorry, Republicans on Medicare expansion I guess Medicaid, because, yeah, this is Medicaid, not Medicare. That's for the 55 and older. Uh, Medicaid was for the indigent, right, for the most vulnerable people that that can't get health care uh, because of their disability, their age, whatever. They're too young, right? So Republicans on the expansion. Why does every Republican win go like this? We had many years and many opportunities to reform CON, but we had to do it this way that gives Democrats what they want and what they've wanted for years in order to get our own little crumb of a win. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't get it. Um let me see here. Adam I have a bunch of tweets here as well. Do 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 Adam uh responding to Right, Donald Bryson put out a statement from uh, uh, John Locke Foundation. Let me see. I have it. I have it here. Let me get it. Where? 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 Oh, there it is. All right. Um, Donald Bryson is the president of the John Locke Foundation. He says, in what can only be deemed as the largest expansion of entitlements in state history, the Republican-majority legislature has decided to saddle North Carolina taxpayers with significant financial burdens and drive up health care wait times for our state's neediest and most vulnerable citizens. This course reversal on Medicaid expansion is hugely disappointing. Their failure to meaningfully address supply-side problems will only exacerbate the statewide health care shortage and drive up wait times and costs for the general public. Although the House and Senate agreement is purported to include some certificate of need reform, North Carolinians will remain short of access uh, to care without a full CON repeal. Adam 
says when GOP leaders adopt Cooper's talking points because they want hospital donations and Federal Reserve moolah, it's time to acknowledge that ideas-based lobbying is a losing proposition because selling influence is the only principle at play in Raleigh. Um, as part of the American Rescue Plan, the ARP, right? People earning between 100 and 150% of the federal poverty level can now qualify for zero premium silver plan private insurance. That's Obamacare. I was on it. When I got laid off and I started my own business, did the podcasting, my wife and I, because she didn't have benefits offered at her employer, so we uh, we went on to the silver plan, and it cost us nothing. Of course, it costs us. I understand that I'm paying for it in taxes, and then, of course, when I got this job, I had to pay back half a year. They hit me with a half a year cost because the half year that I was still on that plan got lumped into the other half of the year when I got this job. And so now my annual income pushed me out of the zero premium bracket. So I had to pay back six months worth of the zero premium deal. That's a nice little welcome to back to the job market entrepreneur, huh? Anyway, while not as generous as Medicaid, these plans do have very low deductibles and out-of-pocket expense or maximums. Rather, if North Carolina is expanding Medicaid, about three hundred twenty thousand people on private insurance through the marketplace will now be forced off those plans and onto the government program, according to Sam Adolfson, the policy director at the Foundation for Government Accountability. In reality, the only people currently with no subsidies without Medicaid expansion are able-bodied single adults earning less than 13000 a year. Presumably, this would primarily entail people who can work but choose not to. 